Sometimes God does put humble men in leadership, the lowliest of men, but sometimes he puts the basest of men, huh? And there have been scoundrels all through history who pardon their cronies and break laws and are immoral and dishonest and do evil, evil, evil and get away with it. That's been the course of history. God is in charge. I mean, as history has gone on, has it gotten better? No. In the 20th century, and who knows what the 21st holds? No, it's not getting better. Jesus said, by the way, history isn't going to get better and better. It's going to get worse and worse. If I don't come back, it would end in total destruction. But I'm coming back. So God's in charge. Don't ever forget that. Welcome to Abide in the Word with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Today we continue in our study of the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings part two of a message titled, The Christian and Government. We invite you to follow along with us now as we get started. Daniel, he had already made a name for himself in that he was considered one of the wise men, one of the, of course, the way the Babylonians thought of it, one of the conjurers, one of the magicians, and the Chaldeans, they had various names for these guys that could pull powers of, of the gods in and that sort of thing. Well, Daniel, who was known as a Hebrew who followed and worshipped the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the world, of course, just thought, well, that's their religion. That's good. We'll add that to our... And so he had him almost in his, in his uh, you know, the king Nebuchadnezzar had him in his advisory council, just like this world today thinks of Christianity as one of many. We know there's one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. We know, I hope you know, that there's not a bunch of religions that lead to God. There is one revelation of God, Jesus Christ. And you must come to Him. Jesus said, there is no other way to the Father but through me. I am the way. We know that, but the world doesn't. The world has always thought of us just like Nebuchadnezzar did. Well, he's a good guy. I'll put him in my team. And you remember he had a dream, and he had this dream that really troubled him, and he said, I'd like, uh, I'd like you to tell me what the dream is. So he called in the usual troops, you know, the guys that would interpret his dreams for him. And he said, uh, I had a dream and I'd like you to tell me the dream and its interpretation. They said, okay, well, tell us the dream and we'll give you the interpretation. He said, you're stalling for time. He said, I asked you to tell me the dream and its interpretation. And they said, well, <clears throat> could, could, could you tell us the dream? And I think he realized that these guys could just spin yarns on him. He'd tell them a dream, and they'd say, well, I'll tell you what that represents. And just like people interpret music and art, they can make it say anything they want sometimes. You tell them the dream, and then they'll give you the interpretation. And he said, no, you tell me the dream and the interpretation. He raised the stakes, and they were completely unable. By the way, the forces of evil can do a lot of things, but they hit their limits. You never hit the limit of God's power. But you do hit the limit of the masquerader's power. Satan is very limited in comparison to the unlimited one. Now, he's a mighty foe. Don't you mess with him. Let God handle him. But he has handled. Praise God. We serve the God of gods, the King of kings. We don't have to worry. But anyway, these guys that really didn't do much but just make stories up, they couldn't tell him his dream and his interpretation. They said, you, nobody's ever asked us to do that, king. He said, listen... If somebody doesn't do it, I'm going to kill all of you. I'm going to tear you limb from limb. Great government to have, wouldn't it be? I'm going to make your houses a rubbish heap, and under Article 713, I'm going to tear you limb from limb or something. You know, it, There were no articles, let me tell you. 
He just said, that's what'll happen. And of course, the order went out fearfully, and they said, get Daniel. They thought, oh yeah, Daniel, the Hebrew guy, they just put him off to the side, and they got Daniel. And Daniel said, give me time, give me a little bit of time, and he went to prayer. And he and his three friends, you remember, they prayed to God and said, oh Lord, give us this. And God did. And look, chapter 2, verse 19, then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. Then Daniel, as you can imagine, because he was in on the limb-to-limb stuff. (laughs) Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Let the name of God be blessed forever and ever, for wisdom and power belong to him. Psalm 62, I think it is, verse 11. Power belongs to God. Oh, one thing we can learn when we realize that government is ordained by God is that God's in charge of everything. Wisdom and power belong to him. And look at verse 21. It is he who changes the times and the epochs. He removes kings and establishes kings. He gives wisdom to wise men and knowledge to men of understanding. And Daniel went in and told the king his dream and its interpretation. You remember? And he said, there's this great statue king that you saw in your dream. And it had a head of gold and shoulders and breast of silver and a trunk of bronze and legs of iron and feet of clay mixed with iron and the toes and stuff. It was all kind of muddled together down there at the bottom of clay and iron. And then there was this great stone that came out of heaven because no hands had formed this stone and it hit the feet of that statue and it just blew it to smithereens, you know. And he told the dream and then he told the interpretation. He said, you know, you're the head of gold, king. And after you, there's going to come a kingdom after the great Babylonian kingdom that's a lesser kingdom, an inferior. And then another one, less even. And then another one. And then in the days of the future, God of heaven is going to bring a stone cut without hands and smack that statue on the feet, and that'll be the end of it. And there will be a kingdom that lasts forever. And you can read the whole thing, and I encourage you this this afternoon to read this second chapter of Daniel. But uh, that's what he told him. But I'd take verse 21, and I tell you, God teaches this all through the Bible. He, it is He, God Almighty, the God of heaven, who changes the times and the epochs. He removes kings and He establishes. He's in charge of elections. He's in charge of appointments. He's in charge of how most government gets established through military might. He's in charge of all those things. He never gets caught by surprise. Turn over to uh, chapter 4 of Daniel. Look at the same thing. Later on in life, Nebuchadnezzar had another dream. And uh, this time... He called the guys in. They couldn't, they, couldn't, they couldn't interpret it to him. So then he remembered Daniel. And so he called Daniel, and he told him the dream. And then Daniel uh, gave him the interpretation. But uh, what, what the king heard in his dream, Daniel interprets for him. But look at verse 17. This sentence is by the decree of the angelic watchers, and the decision is a command of the holy ones in order that the living may know that the Most High is ruler over the realm of mankind and bestows it on whom he wishes and sets over it the lowliest of men. 
You know, that, tree, that dream was this great big tree that towered over all the other trees and everybody on earth could see it. And once again, it was the Babylonian kingdom, which had splendor and worldwide power that the world has never seen. And Nebuchadnezzar himself, this great tree. But you remember in the dream, it was chopped down, chopped down and left as a stump. And when Daniel heard this dream, he said, oh boy, king, if I could just tell you this. He said, no, go ahead, tell me. Well, if I could tell you that it applied to somebody else, but the tree is you. <laughs> and you can sense even just Daniel's, not, that's not the thing you want to bring to the guy that the way of dealing with you is have you torn limb from limb. But he had to tell him it's you. But even in this dream, notice what he saw or what he heard. Nebuchadnezzar is still being quoted when he says, the Most High is ruler over the realm of mankind, bestows it on whom he wishes and sets over it the lowliest of men. That's what you're going to learn, the angel in his dream said, that the Most High sets men over kingdoms. And you say to me, Scott, does that mean that government is always good? Not at all. I mean, Nebuchadnezzar, far from good, does that mean that it hasn't been abused? Oh, no. Does that mean that God sets the right man, we would think? Not necessarily. Look at verse 17. He bestows it on whom he wills and sets over it the lowliest of men. The old King James translated this the basest of men. And there's two ways of looking at that. You can say sometimes God does put humble men in leadership the lowliest of men, but sometimes he puts the basest of men, huh? And there have been scoundrels all through history who pardon their cronies and break laws and are immoral and dishonest and do evil, evil, evil and get away with it. That's been the course of history. God is in charge. He puts over it, Nebuchadnezzar was to learn, the basest of men. And uh, you want examples? Look at Stalin. Look at Mao. I mean, as history has gone on, has it gotten better? No. In the 20th century, and who knows what the 21st holds, these kind of Hitlers and Maos and Stalins, they just became more efficient at tearing people limb from limb, it's destroying homes to rubbish heaps. You can do it with bombs and take whole cities into rubbish heaps. No, it's not getting better. Jesus said, by the way, history isn't going to get better and better. It's going to get worse and worse. If I don't come back, it would end in total destruction. But I'm coming back. So God's in charge. Don't ever forget that. God established human government. And you want an example of uh, a wicked man, a base man? Look at Nebuchadnezzar. In fact, turn over to verse uh, 28 of this chapter, chapter 4. And... Uh, all this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar, the king. Daniel told him what was going to happen. He said, you know, you're going to be cut down to a stump, king. And seven years, seven periods of time are going to happen to that stump. And you're going to be that stump. And you're going to go insane. And you're going to be driven out into the wilderness. And I'll tell you what, if you take my advice, king, you'd better repent now. And maybe you can prolong your kingdom a little bit. But after seven years, God will restore you 
to a place of prominence again. Well, Nebuchadnezzar, yeah, that's an interesting thought. This guy got the dream right last time. I want to, you know, he was able to tell the dream editor, but he ignored it like people do. And in verse 28, all this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. And 12 months later, he'd pretty much forgotten that stupid dream. 12 months later, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. And the king reflected and said, is this not Babylon? He was in the royal gardens of Babylon. People still talk about him. And he looked at it and he said, is this not Babylon the great, which I myself have built as a royal residence by the might of my power and for the glory of my majesty? I did it. I'm the head of gold. I'm the greatest tree in the forest, you know. Look at Babylon the Great. And this is what happens to governmental leaders. They become proud and the power corrupts and Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar is kind of the quintessential guy looking out over the whole kingdom of the world and said, it's mine, it's for my glory. While the word, verse 31, was in the king's mouth, a voice came from heaven saying, King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is declared sovereignty has been removed from you. And you will be driven away from mankind, and your dwelling place will be the beasts of the field, and you will be given grass to eat like cattle. And seven periods of time will pass over you until you recognize that the Most High is ruler over the realm of mankind and bestows it on whomever he wishes, just like Daniel had told him. As the words were still in his mouth, sovereignty has been removed from you. And you're going to have a long stretch out there in the insanity that you're going to be driven to. And in those days, there weren't nice hospitals. Uh, it would be an ugly time for him until he recognized. And immediately, verse 33, the word concerning Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from mankind and began eating grass like cattle. He went crazy. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven. His hair had grown like eagle's feathers. He didn't keep himself up. His nails like bird's claws. He was a joke, a reproach for seven years. But at the end of that period, I, Nebuchadnezzar. Now, Nebuchadnezzar is being quoted here. He's speaking in the first person. At the end of that period, he's looking back now. I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven and when I did, my reason returned to me, and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored Him who lives forever. For His dominion is an everlasting dominion, and His kingdom endures from generation to generation. Oh, I'll tell you, Nebuchadnezzar was humbled. And he made a great confession at the end of this chapter. Look at verse 35. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, but he does according to his will in the host of heaven. And among the inhabitants of earth, no one can ward off his hand or say to him, what hast thou done? At that time, my reason returned to me. 
when I acknowledged God, when I bowed before God and realized who he really is, at that time my reason returned to me and my majesty and splendor were restored to me for the glory of my kingdom. My counselors, my nobles began seeking me out. So I was reestablished in my sovereignty and surpassing greatness was added to me. Just like in the dream, the stump was left and it seven years later, there was actually a reappearance and history played out in Nebuchadnezzar's life. Now, listen to the last verse. I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise, exalt, and honor the king of heaven. For all his works are true and his ways just, and he is able to humble those who walk in pride. Oh, all of history and all of the Bible insists that one day, when history's wrapped up, everyone will recognize who God really is. He does in fact, rule in the affairs of men and of nations. He does, in fact, remove kings and establish kings. Jesus Christ said the same thing when Pilate stood before him, or he stood before Pilate the way it looked to them, you know, but it was really Pilate standing before Christ when you think about it. But he said, who are you from? And Jesus wouldn't answer him. And he said, you don't answer me? Don't you realize I have authority to put you to death or keep you alive? You don't answer me? And Jesus said what? Listen, you wouldn't have any authority except it was given you from God. Oh, underlining everything we realize and know about government and our response to government, I say it and I say it with as much emphasis as I can. God established government. He's over. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And that will color all the other points, and we won't take them today. We're going to look at them next time. But we will look at where the submission ends. We're going to look at what kind of submission. We're going to look at all that because it's so important to our lives. But I'll tell you what, we need to know for sure and realize that that's the truth about government authority. Now, as I close, let me say this. We're citizens of heaven. Uh, we're also earthly citizens. And none of this precludes voting. None of this precludes being active doing what we can. We're privileged to be part of a government, part of a government. Think of it. We can actually influence government. We can make changes. We ought to. We can do those kinds of things. We can participate in change. None of this precludes that we pray for government, and none of this precludes that we submit to government uh, as earthly citizens. But as heavenly citizens, we eagerly wait a Savior. And let me just ask you, Christian, you can bask in the truth that we've looked at today. You really can. History is not spinning out of control. It won't be who it will not be determined by who's got the most technology to deliver the, or you know develop and deliver the next series of next generation of missiles or whatever. Those things are under the control of God, and we can know that, and we can rejoice that our personal Savior is God. We can relax in one sense, and we should. We can have peace and joy. But I speak to you. Maybe you're here and you're not sure you're a Christian. i tell you what. Man's solutions are not solutions. Don't look for hope in what man comes up with. Don't look for hope in governmental schemes. Don't look for hope if we could just get enough education or get things right in culture today. No, uh, as thankful as I am, 
for civilization and government that keeps us in, within boundaries and the progress we've made in the medical world and all the other things, yet we realize, and you know if you're honest, these things are not solving man's problem because man's problem is much deeper. And in that dream, you remember the great statue that started with Nebuchadnezzar and descended down to the final days. Uh, turn back to Daniel 2, and we'll close with this. Verse 34, as Daniel told him, You continued looking until a stone was cut out without hands, and it struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and crushed them. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were crushed all at the same time and became like chaff from the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them was found. Man and his pomp will not endure. But the stone that struck the statue became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Now, what does he mean by that? Daniel tells him point blank. He interprets it. Verse 44. In the days of those kings, those ten kings that will arise at the end, Daniel's told more details, so does the book of Revelation, as the history wraps to a close, the ten toes of that statue representing ten kings, in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom. The God of heaven will set up a kingdom, which will never be destroyed. And that kingdom will not be left for another people. It will crush and put an end to all these kingdoms, but it will itself endure forever. Inasmuch, now watch verse 45, inasmuch as you saw that a stone was cut out of the mountain without hands and that it crushed the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God has made known to the king what will take place in the future. So the dream is true and its interpretation is trustworthy. There's going to be a stone cut out without hands. Nothing of man in this. God is going to bring this stone. And Jesus Christ is the cornerstone, precious in God's sight, but rejected by men. And he quoted that very text and applied it to himself. And I read in Matthew 21, the stone which the builders rejected, this became the chief cornerstone. This came about from the Lord. It is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I say to you, and he spoke to the leaders of Israel. The kingdom of God will be taken away from you and be given to a nation producing the fruit of it. And he who falls on this stone will be broken. He, Jesus Christ, people fall, people fall on him today. Jew and Gentile like stumble on him. They say, I can't believe that he's the king. He was just a carpenter. They stumble on this stone. And it says here, Jesus said, he who falls on this stone, if you stumble on this stone, if you fall on it, you'll be broken to pieces. But... On whomever it falls, on whomever it falls, it will scatter him like dust. He spoke of his first and second coming. He came and he's offered to us today and people stumble on him. They turn him down. They say, I can't believe there's only one way or I won't, I won't submit to Christ. I like what he taught, but I don't like. And they, maybe you're in that camp. He says, on whomever it falls, it will scatter him like dust. Be assured, not only is all history pre-written, and the one who comes the second time will come in might and power, and all the kingdoms of this world will be blown away like chaff, and there will be no sign of them. And the kingdom of God will endure forever. Oh, come to Jesus Christ, the rock. There's salvation in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Peter applied this same truth as he proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I tell you today, 
come to Christ personally and you will be subject to the King of Kings. You'll be loved by, you'll be in the family of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You've been listening to Abide in the Word with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled, The Christian and Government, a message from our series in the Book of Romans. If you missed a portion of the message heard on the program today or you'd like to share it with a friend, head on over to abideintheword.us. A free copy of today's entire message is available there for you to stream or download at your convenience. We're thrilled to announce the publication of a new book written by Pastor Scott Gilchrist. It's called A Brief Exposition of Romans. It's a 266-page chapter-by-chapter commentary on Romans that we're sure will enhance your understanding of this critical book in the New Testament. The book is available online at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and most other online booksellers. But during our study of Romans, we'd like to send you a copy as a thank you for a gift of any amount to the Ministry of Downtown Bible. You can find us online at downtownbible.org or by mail at P.O. Box 19191, Portland, Oregon, 97280. We'd love to put this valuable resource in your hands. We're grateful that you've joined us today to listen to this broadcast. If you'd like to hear more on your own schedule or would like to download any past message or subscribe to our podcast, just head over to our website at abideintheword.us. Now, before we end our time today, let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our next broadcast. We are called to submit to government. We're called to submit to all governments, whether we like them or not. Because all that exist, look at verse 1 again, are established by God. So we are to submit to government. But this submission is not absolute. In other words, we will see as we look at it in more detail, there are times in all human submissions, by the way, when a higher authority steps in. And uh, God gives us clear instruction on that. So this submission is not absolute. It is not merely pragmatic. We don't just submit to government because we get along better. That's true of every other submission too, by the way. It's not merely pragmatic. It is right. It's the right thing to do. We are called to pray for governmental leaders, to pray for those that God has placed over us. Join us again next time as we continue our series through the book of Romans. Pastor Scott will bring part three of the message titled, The Christian and Government. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you.